Welcome to the Communion Podcast. We are your hosts. I'm Erin. And I'm Ramonita. Communion is all about relationships over religion. Relationship with Christ, with ourselves, and with one another. And in a culture that seems so divisive, we're cultivating a community of truth seekers from all walks of life. So whether you have faith, no faith, or you have walked away from the church, you are welcome here. We are inviting guests to share personal stories, wrestle with questions, and rebuild bridges with those that may think differently, all in order to be reconciled with God, self, and others, as it is in heaven. So let's get started. Let the reconciliation begin. lie i'm so 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 excited about what god has just been so incredibly faithful i mean it is such an honor to be able to share stories for of of our friends of our only of people we walk this life with um and so yeah i'm just so incredibly thankful and honored and happy that we get to do this this has been amazing me too girl and we have an awesome special guest for you, one of your dear friends. So we're so excited about this guest today. I'm so excited. I am as well. Honestly, it is a complete honor for me to introduce this guest. It is somebody that I'm going to do an informal introduction before I do the formal one, because this human I have been able to walk life with and witness his journey and it has inspired me on my walk in so many ways. You talk about the epitome of when you seek me with all your heart, there you will find me. I mean, is this somebody that walks that out, that lives that out, and has been such an example to me for what that looks like? And so without further ado, we want to introduce Mark Gobble. So I'm going to read this formal uh, bio because it deserves it. So Shout Mark- out to my wife, though. She wrote that. So I couldn't have done it without her. <laughs> I love her. I love her so much. So first, hi, Mark. Welcome. Yes. Thank, you, hi, thank, Mark. You, thank you. Yes. Uh, hey, Aaron. So Mark Gobble was born and raised in Dallas, Texas. And while Texas is home, Mark spent eight years in New York City and three and a half in Portland. Thank you, Jesus. Oregon before <laughs> returning back to Dallas in 2020. While in New York, Mark dropped out of college to pursue his dream career, working for Nike. From sales associate to Eakin to product line manager, Mark excelled. Without a college degree, he worked his way up from helping customers on the store floor to managing a multi-million dollar business at World Headquarters in Beaverton, Oregon. While at the height of his corporate career, God was calling Mark to something greater. It was in November of 2019 when Mark said farewell to his almost decade-long journey at Nike. Mark took his creative pursuits to new heights and launched his own clothing brand, Gobble, in 2020 and began to work as a professional photographer. Oh, that brand is so good. 
But God wasn't finished with him yet. (sighs) Mark was called into ministry in 2021 with the launch of The Memo, a community of men grounded in transparency, accountability, and humility, doing life together as sons of God and followers of Christ. They host weekly virtual Bible studies, in-person gatherings, and retreats, all centered around their mission, from him, through us, for all. Above all else, Mark's greatest role is husband to Jade Gobble, my heart, and father to their four beautiful children with a fifth on my way. So you have an incredible rich story. I have been able to walk parts of it with you, but I want to make sure that we can get to the good stuff. So we're going to just dive in today. So first and foremost, let's open it up with an icebreaker. Ariel loves icebreakers when we started Supper Club. <laughs> I do too. I'm not going to lie. I do too. But when we started, when Erin and I met in Supper Club, when we started it, uh, her and her husband will always start out with an icebreaker and then we get into the real meat of the conversation. So our question for you is, what is the greatest present that you ever received? It could be birthday, Christmas, whatever. But what is the best gift present that someone's given you? So by far... Um... I have two. So one of them I got recently for Father's Day. My oldest daughter, she lives in New York. She got me a wallet with our face on it and a note. (laughs) And um, we've had some like rough times, especially like during my transition from like not being able to go back to live in New York. Like that was always my goal. Obviously God had other plans that I got married and have children out here in Texas. And so when she said that this year, like I was undone, she hasn't, see, this may have been the second thing that she's ever gotten me. So I just, you know, don't really expect anything. And she showed up with that. And that was just incredible. And then um, in 2018, maybe 2019, my wife got me, I think for my birthday, she got me a leather um, 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 recipe book with my grandmother's, um, my late grandmother's name in it. So I love to cook. And I'm actually working on a project now where I'll start to share like more recipes and stuff publicly. But like, I love to cook. Like it is just, my granny would always say, no woman wants a man that can't cook. <laughs> so I know that sounds backwards because y'all, y'all be Dang, I'm married one like, can't. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Just call Jerry no, out, T. Just call Jerry. Just call. Just call Jay out. Just, just. I mean, nah. it would help a lot. A couple <laughs> nights a week. I'm not gonna lie. See, <laughs> he said and, he can make reservations, like, so hello. Hey, <laughs> that works too. One or the other. Just got to be doing one of them. Yes. Got to be doing one of them. But no, I love to cook, so I've started to like write down gobble special recipes in there. And just doing more with it as of late. But yeah, like that that gift she totally caught me off guard. It's like full leather. Um it's like very antique, handmade, just incredible. So yeah, those two. That's I can't lie, I miss it. So if for y'all listening, Mark was the mac and cheese guy at Thanksgiving. <laughs> you know, that's a very, very, very special gift. Very, very and and role that you play it's like it's essential and not everybody gets that honor and oh i miss your mac and cheese I can't lie. so i have been blessed with your cooking and i remember her giving you that because that's so so dope well mark every podcast episode 
that we have has a title. This is one of my favorite things that we're doing now in this new season is we're letting our guests choose the title of the podcast. So if you had to give this episode and your story of reconciliation a title, what would that be? I would call this episode Sun Down. S-O-N. That's good. And that comes from this idea of like being told since I was a kid, man up. And being told a man up before I ever knew what it was to be a son. That's good. I skipped over the sonship to get to the man when I couldn't get to the manhood without the sonship. Uh, so yeah, I've had to work backwards. Ours. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So tell us your story. Like I want to hear that story. If I if I saw that book on a shelf or I saw that title, I would want to know more. So tell us your story. Okay, so let's jump right in. Um, so I grew up in Dallas, Texas, and we grew up, um, I would say, in poverty. My grandmother worked, and she worked a lot. We lived with her, so in like a 700-square-foot apartment, it's me, my grandmother, my mom, my stepdad, my younger brother, my younger sister. And what I, my biological father wasn't in my life, which, you know, took its own toll. Um, I had many questions that I couldn't really get answers to. So I decided to, you know, try to play with the cards I'm dealt and I would try to reach out to them and have conversations. And it just wasn't, I wasn't really getting anything from it. And he would, you know, say things like, hey, I'm going to, you know, send you a box of joy. And the boxes would never come. And my mom would have to, you know, explain why and, you know, talk this seven, eight, nine year old boy like off of a cliff. And then on top of that, I love my stepdad. He showed me what he was showing, and that was how to work. So he would work three jobs at a time, and which meant that he was always gone, home and sleeping, and I understood it. So I had to kind of grow up really, really, really fast. Fast forward, um, parents having marital issues. We moved to New York as kind of like this Hail Mary. This is 2004, so I'm 14 years old. They would end up both leaving New York in like 2000. 7, 2008, getting a divorce. And meanwhile, we are living with this um, man that I would call an uncle that was a pastor. And from 14 years old until about 21 years old, I was being sexually abused. So the abuse is happening. Um, my biological father's out of my life. My mother and my stepdad, they're divorced. So he's kind of, he's there, but not really there. And then the man that is there most of the time is the DJ. So this really jacked up my relationship with God in my eyes. It jacked up my relationship with women. Um, I was addicted to pornography from nine years old forward until, I was, until 31. Um, this October made two years porn free for me, which is amazing. And it just was just in an unhealthy place, like trying to be everything but what I was created to be. While the abuse is happening and my mother and stepdad, they moved back to um, Texas and it's me and my brother and I'm living with this man. Let me also paint this picture as well because this man wasn't, wasn't just a man. Some of the things that he did, which were like great, was to actually talk to me, um, show me, you know, colognes and different things. So it wasn't all just the abuse. Like that was like a very small part of it. But what, you know, drew me in was for the first time, I feel like, oh, 
this isn't a hundred percent safe, but it's safer than I've ever been to actually be myself outside of the abuse. I was compartmentalizing the abuse to be like, okay, this is separate from everything else because in everything else, like I'm getting shoes, I'm getting clothes, I'm traveling, I'm I'm doing these things, I'm having these conversations. I I started to get tired of the abuse, but I didn't see a way out because I didn't have anywhere to go. My folks have moved. I wasn't the only man, a boy living in this home. There was other men living there as well. And one night there was this massive fight that led to a fire that led to the pastor getting arrested. One other gentleman that he was fighting with getting arrested, both of them spending time in jail. And that was my out. And one of my friends from high school I played football with just shows up and he offered me a place to stay. And my life changed at that point because I'm like, what do I have to lose? Like, let's go. So I go, um, it's like a really small room, maybe a hundred square feet. Then half of that is full of boxes. I stepped on the floor for like six months, solely built back up, you know, got a bed, got a TV, finally got to a position I felt like bringing my daughter around there and like that was comfortable. And I stayed there for two years. So then fast forward, I get what at that point was my dream job with Nike as an Eakin. That flew me, got me from New York to Texas. This is 2014. Now I'm in Texas and I'm, you know, got some money in my pocket, doing better than like most of the people I grew up with. So I'm feeling myself. And like now this abused little boy has gone into full blown pride. So I'm like, just, you can't tell me nothing. Which I've been staying called being the ditty of your city. Meaning if you come to Dallas, you ask about Mark, Mark gonna know where all the spots is. Mark gonna be able to plug you with everything. Mark knows where the food is. Just, it was, it was a great experience, but it just continued to take my head to another level. And I'm, I'm with the woman at the time and we had a very toxic relationship, cheating on each other, just not good. Um, I'm still struggling with porn at like a crazy pace. I'm struggling with women at a crazy pace. And all of a sudden, um, I can't say what it is, but something clicked like, okay, something has to change. And that something was, I was living, me and this woman was living together. I finally cut the lease, got out of that. We cut that relationship off. And as soon as I cut the relationship off, I'm looking for an influencer for a um, Nike Dallas gig. And one of my old retail managers from New York that now lived in Atlanta sends me a screenshot of who would be my rib, my wife, Jade Gapo. So I reached out to her with my Nike email and she eventually responded. We met Strictly Business. Um, I kept the business. I think it was like a 30 minute meeting. We met again two days later to give her some product to post about. We ended up talking for three hours and um, everything changed. I knew then that like that was my life, but I was still messed up. Um, and so many of those, I had a lot of, lot of forgiveness in my heart. Um, a lot of unhealed trauma that I was dealing with, didn't know how to talk about. I hadn't shared any any of this with anyone. All people saw was who I built up, the mask that I so gently painted and molded and put everything I wanted to be and what I thought people wanted me to be. I was really, I was great at that. So fast forward, we are um, 
me and my girlfriend, we are watching a documentary. And actually, she's watching it. I'm working. And the documentary felt very familiar. It felt like something that I had experienced. And what the documentary was, was about this um, man who coerced a couple to allow him to have custody of their daughter. And it was very weird, but he like would, you know, slowly do things on the side with her and get her comfortable with him to the point that like she wanted to stay with him. That led to a lifestyle of abuse. And um, and Jade has no clue that like this is touching me. She doesn't even know I'm watching it. I don't even realize I'm watching it until I'm watching it. Close my laptop and I'm like, babe, like, like this feels very familiar to me. And she's like, how so? And I said, I'm about to tell you something that I've never told anyone before. And she was like, what? And I said, um, do you know like the gentleman? She was like, yeah. Well, he was sexually abusing me for almost 10 years. And um, she held me. And it was like my first time feeling safe. And I, I'm six foot three, um, 200 pounds. And I'm also a black man. So the, the views of me is strength, power, you know, and like playing football, that was a whole nother thing and pride and all of this bravado when like ever since I was a kid, all I wanted to do was feel safe. Feel safe enough to be me. And so in that moment, I felt safe. So from then on, I started to slowly peel back the layers. And one of the things about peeling back the layers was I had cheated on her uh, multiple times. So I'm driving to work one day and the Holy Spirit convicts me. Tell her that you cheated. Now, at first, I'm like, who cheated? God gave us powerful minds. And in our minds, we can make ourselves think that something that actually happened Something that is very true is somehow not true and somehow did not happen. So my first time ever confessing to to actually having cheated was to God, which was really to myself because he already knew. And when it became real, now the process slowly started of like, okay, one day from going from I'm I'm never telling this and this is going to my grave and I'm I lied well enough to do it, went to slowly but surely, one day I'm going to tell her that this happened. So one morning I'm, I'm going to work and I can tell that like, this is going to be the day. And I'm in tears, I'm distraught. And once again, I feel safe. Um, perfect love casts out fear. And so that fear that I had and like, well, if I tell her she's going to leave, there just came a point that I had to trust God. So with everything on the table, I told her, we slowly worked through it. And two months after that, I get a, a, a um, DM. This DM is from my biological father's younger brother saying that my biological father is in the hospital and it doesn't look good. The next morning I get another DM that he passed. Now, now to this point, the last time I'd spoken to him was my senior year of high school. And I had no clue like how this was going to affect me. I'm like, at first, early on, I just thought I wouldn't care. But I was, 
I was distraught again. And I'm, you know, I can't go to work. I'm just, I'm out of it. And it was a part of me that wished I could just have a conversation with him to let him know that, like, like I don't hold that against you and that I love you, especially, like, on this path that I'm on because, like, I'm exercising a lot of these demons that I'm like, okay, to get past this, I have to forgive him. And so he passes. That's the whole thing. And then me and my wife, we ended up getting engaged. And she's pregnant with um, my second child. So, so, so much is happening. We end up having her. We set our wedding boat. And the Holy Spirit had told me about a year prior that I was to leave night. I remember where I was and it happened. I'm walking around campus one day and I just felt most people that work for Nike know that most of the time you're a lifer. You get there, you're so excited. You're like, oh, I'm going to be here forever. And like that was me. I'm like, you know, Nike saved my life in a way. Um, during this time, at least is what I thought. So the Holy Spirit telling me to leave. I'm like, at first I kind of tried to, you know, put it away because I'm like, wow, that doesn't make sense. Like, this is all I know. This is what I, you know, built my career on. Like, like what would I do? I got a baby coming, just all these things. And um, slowly but surely, that became more real. And at that point, I looked at my wife. I said, babe, God, God's been telling me to leave. Now it's time for me to go. So yet again, another decision that is being inspired by um, A, being led. And one of the ways I know that it's led is because I wouldn't do that in my, on my own. Like I wouldn't have just popped up and said, I'm, I'm putting in my two weeks. So we prayed and I put in my two weeks. My last day in the office was December 13, 2019. We would end up canceling our wedding for the time being. We packed up all our stuff, moved all the way to Texas. We would put our marriage, put our wedding back on same day, June 13th, got married. Best day of my life. In my wife's father's backyard, it was incredible. And this is really where the work started because I never, I'd imagine being married, but like all I've seen was divorce. All I've seen was, you know, men who work and they're not present. So I wasn't prepared for marriage. And so at this point, still, still on pornography, they were trying to fight it, um, doing better in marriage, but things are just still not quite where they are supposed to be. And now Micah, my second child, he's getting ready to be born and things have to change. So one day, me and my wife went on a little staycation. She's pregnant at this point. And one of the convictions that I started to give for the pornography was when you have slip ups, tell your wife. And just like not wanting to tell her that I cheated, to me, this was like telling her again that I cheated. And so one day I, you know, I'm there to tell her and I tell her and she's not really taking it as seriously as I want her to. That led to a big fight. That big fight led to her canceling the rest of our staycation and going home. So we go home and we're fighting and my wife is just, she's going off on me. Like it's, it's pretty bad. Walks out of the room and I'm like, the one thing I can stand in any argument is not being able to say what I want to say. So she said what she wants to say and then she left without hearing what I have to say. And so I'm, now I'm just revving the edge. Like I'm about to go in here and give it to her. 
the Holy Spirit said, go in there and tell her that you love her and give her a hug. I was like, what? <laughs> and I felt so strongly that you've been studying this and now it's time to actually run the play. So I went out there and I gave her a hug and I told her I love her. And she just broke down. And like, she, she titles that moment as the moment when she knew that God loved her. And so now we're growing in our marriage. Now the pornography thing is at the forefront and we're tackling, tackling it together. And that's one of the things that I wish I would have done sooner because I was full of shame. I didn't feel like I could tell her. So I'm over here now married fighting this thing that's been kicking my butt for over 20 years by myself. And so I bring her in. And one of the things we talked about was going to therapy. So I went to therapy and the first session blew my mind because the first session we're talking about the pornography. And he asked me, well, like, when did it, you know, start for you? like nine years old. So he says, well, the abuse with this male didn't start until 13. So something had to happen back then because you don't just, you know, come out the womb watching pornography. I never thought about that before. So I couldn't think of anything. So he said, okay, go home and write a letter to your nine-year-old self and maybe something will come out. So I go home. I was excited to do it. And I wrote that first sentence and it hit me like a ton of bricks that I was abused by a um, older cousin, a female, when I was nine years old. And I, I, I hadn't even told Jade that because I had just took it. I actually thought I was dreaming. I remember thinking about that and thinking that that had to be a dream because I can't remember it happening. And that, that was the breakthrough. So after that, I ended up reaching out to the pastor that did the um, debuts from my 13 to 21. And I told him that, that I forgive him, that I love him. Well, first I said, I know what you did to me. You were doing to me. I forgive you and I love you. And he thanked me for handling it the way that I handled it. Like not, you know, going and putting on blast and doing all the most. And um, that he could see that like God has been moving in my life from like the things that I share and whatnot. And I forgave him well before I told him, but the telling him was the proof that the forgiveness was real. And I didn't have to, I don't see him differently even now. I don't talk to him, um, but if he reached out or if he needed help, I would help him. Because another thing that this process taught me was that abuse probably happened to him too. And yet again, not having those safe spaces, you hurt people, hurt people. The power of forgiveness is life-changing. And not only did it change my life, but it also, I believe that it changed his life as well. And then um, fast forward, we have our second son, who is MJ, that I got a chance to deliver at my home with just me and my wife with the other two kids sleeping in the room. And it was just the most peaceful, most led. I mean, like the umbilical cord was tied around his neck when I pulled him out. And I gently told my wife to pause for a second and I 
gently removed it and, and kept going and poured them out. And it was just one of those experiences that I know that I couldn't have had without this healing. Uh. Um, and through now having boys and, and, and them teaching me as much as they're teaching me about like being a son, now I'm realizing the importance about actually being a son because there are things in them that they are little mirrors for me that I have to still work with and still deal with. But like that has been so powerful because we ask God for patience and God sends us children. <laughs> children. Amen. Retweet. Yes. Hey. God says you're children. Like you want an attitude shift? God gonna send you children. That's and it. And your children to show you you. Yeah. Um oh yeah. And then then marriage. Like none of this is possible without my wife. Like she's been everything for me. She saw me as this mark before Mark saw Mark as this mark. Mm. That's why she says she stayed. That's good. She stayed because she trusted God. And she didn't stay because of me. She stayed because of him. And she she even told me before that if I wouldn't con- wouldn't have confessed that she would have left. Mm. Wow. So um That's fast good. forward after that, twenty twenty one. I am redoing my clothing brand and I'm 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 refocusing, I'm reshifting on like who I am now. And one of the things I've noticed about branding is like you need a community, um, even before a product. And I realized that I didn't quite have a community outside of just making dope stuff. So that community became the memo. The memo started as just a Bible study every Wednesday night which we're coming up on a two-year anniversary of that in January 2024. But um, now it's turned into this amazing brotherhood where you have men coming on every night. One guy called it Bible Steady Reach Therapy because everybody's so transparent, both in real time and like things that we're repenting for, for our past, ways that we can help each other. Not just like, not just say that we're praying and not pray, but pray, but also be like hands and feet for each other be approval for each other, um, be accountability for each other, be love for each other, be a safe space for each other, no matter where anybody is. And that has not just changed my life, but it's also changed my family's lives, but also it's changed other men's family's lives. I never saw myself hosting no Bible study, leading men in that way at all, being this transparent, none of that. But I see the way this affects these men and then these men's wives, talk about the way it's affected their marriages and then from there their children it's like men come to the memo and they leave with tools that they can go out and like right after the call and beyond to actually put it into play and i've seen it transform their lives from all the same things i just talked about pornography sexual abuse lying um stealing dishonesty manipulation all of these things these men are talking about and we are walking through with each other and it's just amazing and after all of that here we are <laughs> wow what a wow. story oh so powerful yeah. can i just say mark on behalf of all the women out there thank you like thank you for your courage thank you for your honesty thank you for starting the memo i mean your whole story thank you but you starting the memo is such a gift 
because we've talked about this before and even in our previous to recording this episode like so many men think vulnerability is not a part of identity of a man and i could not agree i think that is what keeps people in chains i think that's what keeps people imprisoned this struggle with all kinds of stuff for the rest of their life so seriously thank you for your courage and your willingness to start a space where guys can be real and have safety was the keyword that i yeah. heard off your story so and having had the pleasure to walk the journey with you for yeah ttr front row seat for a yeah, lot of that like, like i she just was one of the women that jay called to the house like <laughs> not one one honey <laughs> all my girls Girl, come up. through that signal <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. and I and I did, you know, I got to see you in a couple of different seasons of life. I got to see you, you know, we met in that early part of our career when we were both figuring it out, just some kids, you know, finally like got wrapping our identity in this swoosh life because we're like, oh my god, mama, we made it to yeah. coming, you know, fiancés and spouses <laughs> and parents. I mean, we walked some life together, but seeing the evolution and the transformation, I mean. First, just thank you. I will say, like, you've been a played an integral role in my husband's life, and I do see the impact on, of that on my family. I truly believe, I, I was reading this book by Tony Evans, and I talk about it, what the devil can divide, he can dominate, is what he says in it. And I think that if he can divide families, if he can divide, um, that if he can divide families, he can divide communities. If he can divide communities, he can divide states. If he can divide states, he can divide countries. If he can divide countries, he can divide the world, you know? And so I do believe that it starts at home. And so, you know, love the fact and and just so thankful for you for the fact that you're not just thinking about what's happening in your home and you're not just healing the generations that will come after you in your home, but you're healing um, the lives of the people that you'll touch and their families and their generations. And so Mark, thank you. Like, thank you. I mean, there's so much power in your story. You just being so willing to share the uh, the transparency, your humility, your vulnerability, and thank you to your wife. Like I understand that retelling this story probably is super, you know, sensitive for for some. And so the fact that she just is so obedient to God's power and the telling of this story as well, because you guys know that it, that God's using it. Um, just thank you, thank 100%. you both for your obedience. Like so beautiful. Yeah. Thank y'all. Thank y'all. Um, yeah. One of the things I noticed, um, really, like, as you were just talking, which is kind of crazy, is um, if you want to know what your purpose is, look at where you were attacked as a kid. Yeah. Ooh. That's good. That's good. If you are, if you're willing to, like, actually go through and dig through the trauma, um, you will find that where you was impacted the most is where your where your actual purpose lies. For me, that was, you know, fatherhood, husbandhood, sonship. Like, I'm talking about attacked to the point my sister made this comment in the past, like, you're not supposed to be like where you are. You're not supposed to be who you are. This was supposed to go very, very left. And there were times that it almost did. And it wasn't me and my wife. We have this saying between us that God saw this then. Right, right, right. So if it wasn't for that, we wouldn't even be here. So 
Everything and happens on purpose, people. even the bad Every, stuff. Everything happens on purpose, <laughs> even the bad stuff. Yep, even the bad stuff. Well, even thank you for sharing your story. We have a, a couple of questions for you. Just want to follow up. I, I'm sure yeah, yeah. our listeners will want to know. What I was struck by in your story is you had a lot of interesting relationships with a lot of different men in your life growing up. And I know that that has to have some kind of influence on your view of God. And so my question would 100%. be, how, how did those relationships with those men impact your view of God as a father? Oh, that's a, that's a good question. That is, that, that is a, that's a banger. Um, that's a banger. Okay. So when God leads me now to minister to other men, I, so I used to jump in with like, you know, all the stuff that I know now and all of that. And I have a friend to reprove me and like, Hey man, take them back to how it started for you. Yeah. And the way that it started for me was to unlearn my views of fatherhood that I had put onto God that are not him. So like my relationship was restarted and in 2019, I was watching the videos and whatnot, but I still wasn't fully operating in it. I would say 2021 was when I really like flipped the switch. I was like, I'm going to operate in righteousness. And the step one was, God, who are you as a father? Because all of my examples were not it. And that's a hard pill to swallow because like we want to, you know, hold up the men in our lives and all of those things. But the reality was there wasn't a whole lot for me to hold up. So do you say, well, God, because my father is like this, then you got to be like this. So I'm going to act like this. Or do you, can you separate the two? And I don't believe that you can separate the two without unlearning what you went through, which also starts with forgiveness. Like I couldn't shun them, have to forgive them. I had to realize that like they were trying their best. And the so yeah, like the first thing to answer the question, the first thing that I had to do on my journey was forget what my views of fatherhood was and look at who he is as a father. Mm. Not was, he is, because he's still revealing more of that to me, which I can then use for my children so that they get a chance to see what a submitted man a submitted father looks like mark that's so so good so when i was maybe like 20 21 probably around the same time so like the yeah. beginning of 2021 i think you know i was um speaking at um one of my friend deb i was i was speaking on um this ministry that she started a woman an older woman was on the call and she hit deb up and was like i got a word for tt can you share her contact information? And so she called me and she was like, um, I have this word for you. Do what you will with it. And she said, God wants to reconcile with you, but not until you forgive your father. Ooh, and yep. I remember that this. was like, it ripped me open. And, it, yep. and I know bits and pieces of our story come out, but if you know about my relationship with my father, it's like, yeah, yep. it, it's a lot. Yep. Right. And it has defined a lot of who I was. Um, for a long time and it, that relationship is so critical in our in our lives and and especially you know as men of 
course, especially as black men and especially for little girls, like that that role like is just so, so critical. And I, I, I know what you mean about unlearning what fatherhood looks like, what that first love, what that first role model, you know, you, you gotta not project that onto God. And it's so easy to project those characteristics onto God. That example that we have here on this earth, look at it and then think, oh, well, God must be like that too. And he's just not. And I remember similar to you, when God called me to my rest season, He that was one of the first questions I had to ask. It wasn't just who is God the father. It was more like, who is God, period. Like I had to learn his character as God and then learn and understand and redefine what father meant. So to hear you say that is crazy. And I guess when you talk about how you healed your inner child when you forgave your father figures but how does that show up now as you're raising through four kids one on the way you're raising young men like how does that show up in the way that you parent now it changed everything um now i apologize to my children to the point that now my daughter she's four she will literally come to me and say daddy that wasn't kind you have to apologize and i'm like you're so right, baby girl. Daddy, sorry. I'll keep working on that. And um, um, just me being graceful and gentle, like with my words, with my actions, with my deeds towards them, because one of the things that continues to come up for me is God doesn't talk to you that way. Mm-hmm. So why would you talk to them that way? Lastly, I will say being present. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Being present was a part of my journey. It was a big lesson um, God deals with me in seasons. So like my first season in marriage was about service. Um, you serving my wife. It started with serving my wife to like serving others. And I've kept that with me now. Then it went to being present. Um, recently it's been patience, but like being present was just everything. There's a lot in your story that where you've talked about forgiving others, but have you forgiven yourself? And if so, what is that process like? My last therapy visit, I gave him a list of all the people that I've forgiven. And he looked at me and he said, this is a good list. But um, there's one problem with it. I'm like, what? Because I'm like, I got everybody on there. Like, what is it? He's like, you didn't put yourself on here. Man. And I was like, whoa. I never considered that I have to forgive myself. And what that's looked like is first off to actually repent from the repentance God showed me that I was forgiven through the way my wife operates through the way my life has gone like the blessings then to receive his forgiveness then you have people around you that can actually help you walk that out like Jay 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 like she don't bring up what I've been through she don't remind me of my shortcomings. She holds me up. She encourages me. Even when I feel low by myself. Or she does that. So then, yes or no, have you forgiven yourself? Yes. Or are you still in the process? <laughs> I have. I've forgiven myself. But I would say that I'm in the process because there are times when stuff from my past that I blocked out comes back up. Oh, for sure. Like, for example, I had two abortions. 
And I thought I'd forgiven myself for those and they came back up. And after talking with talking with my wife and confessing more to her, I had a whole moment of just praying and talking to the father and really working through that. Um, so yeah, that that's an ongoing process because more stuff comes up that I have to work at. And so that also keeps me humble. Because I don't believe that you're humble because you say that you are. But if you can say, I'm sorry, you can look someone in their face and, and actually accept that you, you know, cause them to feel away or that you did something towards them and own right to that. That's being humble. So, like, that's become a lifestyle for me, for us. So, it, that part's an ongoing process. But for the stuff that I know of now, yes, I've forgiven myself. Bye. Okay, so I think we're going to do some rapid fire questions now. Uh, and so, yeah, these are just some quick questions. T, T will kick us off. And then, um, yeah, we have about five questions for you. Just we would love to know your answers too. So, the first one is you know, this is our, our mission for communion is all around reconciliation with God, self, and others. But that word reconciliation can be interpreted. Um, by different people and defined differently. So our first question is, what does reconciliation mean to you? If you had to, in one sentence, define reconciliation, what would it be? It would be to bring a relationship back to life. That's good. That's really good. And so with that being said, if that's your definition, we know, as you mentioned, like reconciliation is a process. Like we say on on, the, on our podcast journey and we're never going to fully realize it and it's going to be something we work at constantly so what or who are you still wrestling to reconcile church that's real um church and because through my relationship with the father i've been able to see what church actually looks like so when me and those guys meet up on Wednesday nights and we pray and we get in our world together, we're transparent and we're actually doing life together. That's church. Yeah. That's good. And I would define what we view as church in the Western culture as more of a gathering, if you will. Um, but church is so powerful because you're supposed to do it together. Like his church is those that have a relationship with him who are gathering unto him and the way I grew up in like like I grew up in church like I was I was almost birthed in the pews but like the origin of a, like for example my mom she had me when she was 17 and she was shunned by the church and she would be shunned by the church for two more of her children as well so like that's the origin of her relationship so unless she's torn that down to allow God to rebuild it everything that's been built is built off of those experiences same thing for me so I have to tear that down not to say quote that church is bad because I believe that church is good but what man has made church is not what God intended for his church to be difference between a a tabernacle or a shepherd's hut that speaks to like this place outside of the camp that God told Moses to build that speaks to like, Hey, 
come to me like with your families and privacy where it's just y'all this intimate relationship with me where it's not about being seen it's not about being heard it's about me and you to a tabernacle in the middle of the town with gold and all these things and just all the stuff we got the the shows we got the big music the lights the camera where it's like that's not conducive to a broken person to feel like they belong mm-hmm. like say you're going to a room and everybody's wearing louis vuitton and gucci they're prada and you walk in in pay less shoes how how do you really feel like let's be honest about that like i remember showing up in seventh grade with some all black pay less shoes on and i see all my friends with jordan but they like my shoes so they were like, where you get your shoes? And I lost. I got them at just for feet. Knowing I got them at Payless, but I felt so small amongst the Nikes and the Jordans and the Reeboks, where it's like, that's what we do to people in church. So my brokenness doesn't belong here, no matter what you say, because what I see is something totally different. Mm, that's good. That's real. So that's what I'm reconciling with. That's real. That's good. Because I love the people that are in it. And I want them to see it, but I can't yeah. make them see it. They have to choose it. So I yeah. reconcile with like, God, do I just walk away or are you having me stick around so that I can help your children? Mm, that's and good. that's well, what I think it is. That's really yeah. good. Yeah. yeah. Man, we could go off on that, Ooh. but that will be yeah. another episode. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Mark, you just made me want to just go off. But okay. <laughs> You're speaking your language. You are speaking about I did not know I was going to say that. I did not know that was a question. That oh, was just, that oh, was Holy Spirit. Oh, that, well, that was Holy Spirit. That was what that yeah. was. Okay. All right. So these, this next one is a three-part question. And that is, in your life right now, what do you think the Lord is asking you to receive? What do you think he's asking you to release? And what do you think he's trying to remind you of right now? He's asking me to receive help. Because help, help is something that you learn as a son. But if you were told as a son to get it yourself, then you don't ask for help. You don't. So... I'm still learning that because that's something that I've built up for years. That's why, like, there were times that I worked three jobs and went to school because I, 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 when I mustered up the courage to ask for help, they made me feel bad about it. So I said, I'm never going to ask for help again. I don't care how I got to do it. I'm not going to do it. That's how you get people robbing banks. That's how you get people doing things that we were not hard. We were created good. God said everything that he made was good. So if someone does something that is not good, they're malfunctioning. There's a root to that. And for men, oftentimes, because we don't know how to ask for help. The next part was, what do you think the Lord wants to remind you of? And then finally, what is he asking you to release? He was reminding me of his love in spite of my sin. So that I can give people that same love. And... I probably say this every single day. In the world that we live in today, the number one thing, there has never been a fight that stopped because there was more violence or an argument that stopped because there was someone yelling louder. Yeah. And so where Christ says things like, love your enemies, do good to them that curse you, 
yep. pray for them to harm you. They ask you to carry their stuff one mile, carry it two. If they ask for your cloak, give them your shoes too, because he loves us in spite of our sin, in spite of our shortcoming. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever, not those who were perfect, not those who, he did it before there was a a, a promise, a, a repentant heart, any of that. Yeah. But we somehow receive that, then forget to give other people that same thing. What is he given to release? Um, release shame. Yeah. The shame directly comes from not having a job. Like there are some days that I go back to God and say, you know, God, did the plan change? Like, you know, is it something? <laughs> like, am I off? Like, and it's crazy because normally that comes from my outside source. So yep. I'll read a comment on something or, you know, something else. And then that enters my spirit. And then I'm asking God something that was never supposed to be there. And, but in his love, in spite of that, he always sends direct confirmation. I'm talking about, it'd be like right there <laughs> where it's like, somebody will be like, call me and they need to talk about a divorce. And they're like, Hey man, like I was in the prayer. I need somebody to speak life into me. And I'm like, man, if I was at work, I wouldn't be able to talk to you right now. Oh, or yeah. somebody else will shoot me a note and say, man, um, you've been so encouraging for me. Thank you for everything that you do. If you need anything, let me know. I want to be a blessing to you. Our identity first. Facts. As soon as Facts. Jesus was affirmed as beloved son of God, whom he is well proud. The first thing, the next thing you see in the Bible is Jesus being tested. Oh, mm-hmm. if you are who you say you are, right? His identity being questioned. So that's shame. Yeah. 100%. Every. 100%. Yeah. 100%. Oh, Mark, this conversation was so good. I'm sure we could, we could have been in so many different directions. We probably could still go for hours. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah. for the people listening, they probably done with their commute yeah. at this point. Like, y'all still. Word, word. So word. Uh, all I can say is thank Part you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Hey, thank y'all. Yes. Thank you, like, Mark. Thank y'all for what y'all are doing. Yeah. I was telling Jay when y'all asked me to be on, I said, wow, babe, this is my first time like speaking publicly since I've totally changed who I used to be. Oh, wow. Y'all are awesome. I love y'all's show. Um, yeah. Thank you. I love Thank your show too. I love your show too. <laughs> yeah, so me yeah and my that's wife what we want show. to know next was we want to know where can people connect with you and and hear yes. more more about you and jade yes so my wife jay got both um we have a podcast the god boat life and we were just led to like share our lives and share our marriage so the god boat life podcast it's on youtube and like the visuals and then wherever you get your podcast and then on instagram mark the god boat i do videos on there at times um, that's incredible. And if you are a man that wants to join the memo, just email Ooh. me at markzgotball at gbelt.com and we will send you the link and, you know, come as you're led to come. We welcome everybody to what you believe, any of that. And we'll just like have conversation and love on people. Wow. I love it. That's I love it. So yeah. good. Y'all better go ahead and follow and find yeah. him on all the platforms. Oh, Get your life. Oh, then there's more. TT, I'm proud of you. There's more. I'm proud of you, TT. I'm proud of you. 
Aaron, thank you for helping my sister on this journey. Oh, of course. Because the reality is because of the stuff we talked about earlier with church, we still need each other to help each other through this. Yeah. And she would not be where she is without you. So thank you, Titi. I'm proud of you. Keep going. Yeah. yeah. Keep mm-hmm. going. Thank you. And yes, E. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, we could go on to our own love fest because, girl. Well, we do every <laughs> time. We love each other. I love and you, yes. girl. She's, she's the gift that keeps giving for me. And so, I'm just thankful I love it. to do this with you. And now that we get to invite people that we love and we've done life with and walk this journey that can be hard at times. And the people that seen us at our best and have been there to pick us up yep. when we're at our worst is, is, is such a beautiful thing. God is faithful. And so with that being said, y'all hear y'all heard it here first. <laughs> Minus the, the Godball Life podcast. But y'all, y'all done heard it here first. Uh Mark yeah. Free. Thank you for sharing. And with that being said, let the reconciliation begin. We love y'all. Thanks so much for listening today. Want to stay up to date with our episodes? Then subscribe to our podcast and newsletter on our website, com-union.com. Follow us on Instagram at com.union. Rather watch our podcast? Then subscribe to our YouTube channel at com underscore union. We are so glad you're a part of this community. <laughs> <laughs>